Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And joining me on this very special UFC Vegas RDA vs. Alvarez edition of Half the Battle, we got the MMA genius in the house. We got the Victory FC middleweight champion, Mike Biggie Rhodes. And we got Scotland's finest, Will Martin. So welcome to the show, boys. We got a lot to talk about. First of all, MMA genius, what's up, my dude? Man, it's going good. Uh, just gonna ready to catch some more dogs this uh, dark. Yeah, that's what it's all about. The Victory FC middleweight champ and about to be a, a UFC middleweight. How's it going, my man, Biggie Rhodes? It's going good, man. I'm glad to be back and get to predict some fights. I've been out of the business due to my own fight, but uh, I'm ready to get back after it and uh, make myself and make some other people some money. That's right. And Scotland's finest, Will Martin MMA, is in the house on half the battle. How's it going, Will? What up, Will? I don't know if Will can hear me, but he's in the house, and we're going to be talking about UFC Vegas. And first up, we got Vicente Luque. He's minus 450. The comeback on Alvaro Herrera is plus 360. And, I mean, Vicente Luque, you know, you you wonder, why is he a minus 450 favorite? I mean, he's got an 8-5 and five record. But you go back and you watch this guy, you look into it a little bit deeper. I mean, the kid's only 24 years old. He's very experienced. He's seasoned. I mean, yes, a TKO win over Tiago Maheta Santos. We, we've all seen what that guy's been doing lately. And with Alvaro Herrera, you know, he's a, a Mexican uh, brawler. He likes to throw big bombs. He doesn't pivot his foot when he throws that big right hand. He just relies on his natural power. I think the experience and seasoning of Vicente Luke is going to pay off here. That's the reason he's a minus 450 favorite in this spot. You know, for me, obviously, I ain't going to parlay that shit. And I'm not going to take a shot on the dog either. So I'm just going to pass. And from a pick perspective, I'll take uh, Vicente Luke. Yeah, man, I got to go with uh, Vicente as well. You know, he had a good uh, showing on tough. He fought tough with a great prospect and uh, Mike Graves, a back-and-forth fight. His last fight, he handled business against uh, Hader Hassan very easily. I think he's just more well-rounded. The takedown will be there fairly easily. When uh, Her uh, Herrera looks to swing those big bombs, he could duck right under. And um, I got to go with uh, Vicente. Biggie? Yeah, I'm rolling with Vicente as well. I just think that um, in the brawl, he'll be the more technical fighter. Um, you know, he's a big he's the big favorite for a reason. And uh, um, yeah, I, I would. Lay off the pick, obviously, um, but Vicente is the is the winner of that fight. Will Martin, you hear my man? I'm exactly the same. I'm um, just think too much athleticism, too much speed, uh, just a little bit kind of better, well-rounded fighter. I just I don't see anywhere where Herrera really hurts him here. Um, the only thing I think Herrera's got going for him is he trains at Jackson Winkle Johns, um, but it's Vicente Luque for me all night long. Yeah, and usually when we all count a guy out, that's when that guy comes in here and wins. But uh, we'll we'll see, because I think Vicente Luque, I mean, the kid's no joke, so he's got something to prove. Now, next up, we got Heginaldo Vieira. He's minus 130. The comeback on Marco Psycho Beltran is plus 110. Now, I heard a lot of people's pre-fight shows, and they were trashing Vieira. They're not sure why he's the favorite. And, I mean, look, he had a really good three-round fight with Delena Lopez. They went back and forth. And with uh, Marco Psycho Beltran, you know, if you watch him on Tough, man, he's come a long way since his time on uh, Tough uh, Latino America. I think it was season one, the one with Yair and Chido Vera and Alejandro Perez and all those guys. You know, in on that season of Tough, you know, he uh, he couldn't get back up off his back. But since that time, he moved to Chicago. He's been training with uh, Izzy-style wrestling, with Yair Rodriguez, with all these guys. 
and he does little things that I like. For example, he'll get that takedown at the end of the round. That's very good for, for betting guys like ourselves. And uh, in that last fight, when it was crunch time, it was one-to-one, and he had to make a statement in that third round, and he put uh, the hometown guy in the tie clinch, fired some devastating knees, ended up winning the decision. Now, one could make the argument that Psycho Beltran is 0-2 in the UFC, but with that said, you know, even if you lose the first four minutes of a round, when you get that takedown in the last minute, you know how it is with these judges, man. So I don't blame anyone for taking the shot on Psycho Beltran. It's just for me, I haven't seen enough development yet. You know, I need, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable putting my money on him, but I will pick him here. Who you got? Yeah, man, it's a very good fight. Um, I enjoyed Vieira's fight against uh, Delano's last fight, but to be honest, I thought he arguably lost. You know, he slowed down in the second and third round. Uh, Delano got some easy takedowns, a single leg, a double leg, very clean. But this guy, Vieira, he's very heavy for 135. He swings big bombs. And uh, my question with Beltran, to be honest, is his chin. You know, I've seen him um, – I haven't seen him get knocked out, per se, but I've seen him, you know – when he fought Jose Quinones on tough, he uh, kind of showed up and kind of didn't react well to the shot. So I'm going to have to go and be, go with Vieira on this one just because I think he's going to win the first round by probably stunning him or rocking him, probably take that lead into the second and probably barely win the second and start to gas out towards the end. And I think he'll, he'll win a close 29-28 decision. It's funny because when we talk about shelling up and not taking punches well, we're going to talk about Gilbert Burns. But before we get there, Mike Biggie Rhodes, I mean, you got Heginaldo Vieira or you got Marco Beltran? I'm taking Marco Beltran. Uh, I mean, I'm taking Vieira. Um, I've seen Marco Beltran, obviously, um, you know, we in Milwaukee are, are pretty close to Chicago. And uh, he has made the trip over to train um, at Rufus Sport before. Um, and I'll just say that he does not take punches very well or kicks for that matter, and I'll leave it at that. I won't, you know, go into detail about training or sparring, but um, let's just say, you know, I don't think that he's able to take those shots, and I've seen him not be able to. Um, so I'll, I'm going to take Vieira here. I think he uh, comes out and puts, you know, places some shots, and uh, like you guys said, I don't think he's going to react very well. Um, and I think Vieira uh, will squeak out a decision because he does, um, in fact, gas pretty hard after the first round, but. Um, that's what happens when you throws a lot, you know, when you throw a lot into your strikes. So um, I'm going to take Vieira via decision as well. Will? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Vieira as well. I see it in close contest between the two guys. Um, but I rewatched um, Vieira's fight this afternoon with um, Lopez. I actually thought in really good um, conditioning. He looked really good. And he, he went the full three rounds very hard. Um I just, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Beltran. I just don't see very much any skill set that kind of really makes me want to pick him too much. Um, the only thing, like beforehand with uh, Herrera, he comes from a really good camp who are really on a kind of high at the minute with some big wins, Dino Polo Reyes, Dominic Cruz and Jeremy Stevens. You know, I just think he's a little bit tougher, a little bit more scrappier, and he's willing to kind of go anywhere to kind of win the fight where Beltran, I think, wants to keep it in the feet and um, try and keep it on there. But I just I feel more confident picking Vera in this one, and I think I'll pick him by decision as well. The next up, we finally got a bet to make. We got Gilbert Burns. He's minus 255, and the comeback on Lucas Saevsky is plus 215. Now, we all know Burns has unbelievable jiu-jitsu. You know, if he gets on top of you, chances are 
the fight's going to be over. But this isn't Abu Dhabi. This isn't a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament. This is an MMA fight, and uh, you got to be able to block punches and take punches in a fight. Gilbert Burns, yeah, he showed a lot of toughness in that fight with uh, Cowboy Oliveira, but the way he reacts to punches, I don't like it at all. I think in one of his upcoming fights, he's going to get knocked out cold. I think he's getting punch drunk by the minute. I mean, the dude just takes – he blocks punches with his face, and when he throws his own punches, he half commits them. He doesn't throw full punches. If you if you listen to – I mean, if you watch his fights with the corner audio, Henry Hoop's like, you're, you're not throwing punches. You're not committing. Stop throwing these half punches. What are you doing? Now, the thing with Lucas Sajewski, yeah, he's not an athlete per se. He's a normal guy. But he's going to come forward the entire time. He's going to try to fight you the entire time. And he's actually a grappler in his own right. So that makes me think he can keep the fight standing. And if he does get taken down, I think he can get back up. And standing, he's going to piece up Gilbert Burns because, like we mentioned, Burns blocks punches with his face. And there's only so many of these ass whoopings he can take. The last two back-to-back by Alex Cowboy and Rashid Magomedov, those were life changers. If you watch – you know, it's funny. I like to watch fights without the commentary because, you know – I'll have to hear the corner audio or just no commentary at all. But last night we were actually watching Rashid versus Gilbert with the commentary. And in the third round, Brian stands like, Rashid really needs to make a statement here. We're like, what are you talking about? He's been making a statement the entire fight. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Burns is going to drop this one. I got the underdog, Saevsky. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to take that shot on uh, Sajewski. I, I got it at plus 210. It's plus 215 right now. But um, like you said, you pretty much hit everything. I mean, Burns doesn't respond well when he has to bite down and fight. I mean, yeah, he beat Alex Cowboy, and, you know, it props to him for coming through after getting, you know, whooped for the first two rounds, you know, but how much more of that can you take? You know, you uh, go and, – and I know he fought uh, Rashid and Alex, but those guys didn't do anything fancy to beat him. Those are just straight punches down the middle, you know. Um, Sajewski, he's not the best athlete, like you said, but he's a tough pole, and he's deceptively strong in that clinch. So, you know, if people are thinking that Gil- Gilbert's just going to out-muscle him in the clinch and take him down with these, you know, I think they have another thing coming. Um, another interesting thing is uh, Burns and Sajewski have actually trained together before. Uh, Burns was at his gym in Poland uh, a few months back and uh, did a seminar, so um, I'm sure they've rolled together before, but I think Sajewski's going to make this a fight. And I think he's going to edge out a decision or get a late finish. Biggie? Um, I definitely like that pick for, um, you know, obviously with Burns being the um, favorite in that fight, um, you know, to, to pick against him. And honestly, I think the the huge point that everyone's making with him is his striking and his striking defense. I think that's partially, you know, and you said Henry Hoof is getting on him in the corner. Um, I think that's partially because of the way they train. I mean, you you look at how a lot of gyms spar. When you spar really hard and you're getting hit in practice, it makes you a shell of a fighter in the stand-up. If you have no confidence to throw because you're, you know, possibly getting knocked out in the gym for making mistakes, it makes you hesitant and makes you second-guess yourself in fights. And that's, I think that's what you're seeing um, in Gilbert Burns. Uh, due to him being so good on the ground, everybody – that spars or fights and wants to keep it on their feet. So, you know, they're, you know, they're teeing off on him. And I think that's just hurting him in his fight career. And I think that's going to continue to hurt him in the, uh, in the UFC, because, you know, the, the higher you get in that division, you know, the more, the more stout the, the punchers become, you know, those guys hit hard. Um, and I just think that he won't be able to maintain. Uh, I think that he's going to get uh, TKO'd in this fight. I think that, 
Um, you know, he's going to shoot for panic takedowns. I think he's going to get smashed, sprawled on. And then uh, once they get back to the feet, like you said, I just don't have any confidence in his striking at all. Um, I'm actually going to um, – I like the pole. I like the Polish guy to uh, finish in the second round. Nice. Hey, that gives me more confidence. I took him straight up. I was thinking decision, but, hey, I'd love a finish too, man. You know, nice little plus 215. Will, who you got in this fight, man? Um, on my original kind of prediction video on my YouTube channel, I was a little bit back and forth between this. You've seen it at the start, but I committed to picking Gilbert Burns. Um, even though Sajewski is a guy I've been watching for at least probably three, four years, he beat Marcin Held back in the day, um, a guy who I've known about for a long time. And I think he's making improvements all the time. Actually, this camp went to American top team as well. He was out there, so he's done a little bit of training out there. Predominantly, most of his camp has been in Poland. But um, I see me. Gilbert Burns really hasn't overly impressed me at all since he's been in the UFC. The one that he did impress me with was that he managed to pull that win out against Cowboy Nash. It was a lot of heart. He was down big, managed to get that. Um, just try to think if he's a hope his striking's kind of coming along a little bit because um, being both grapplers, I think that Sajewski, his game plan has to be keeping this on the feet and out striking, get off first before um, Gilbert Burns does. I just... I think Sajewski, definitely his first fight against Nick Heine, it was a tough UFC debut, but uh, that, that's a fight I think he could have won, and I think the lights, the bright lights, kind of got to him a little bit, so this might kind of help in hindrance uh, him a little bit here, but I'm going to go against you, all you guys here, I will be picking him in Toutmaster, but um, I'm going to go Gilbert Burns, not overly confident, but I'm going to go against you guys here. Now, next up, we got Felipe Aranches. He's minus 165, and the comeback on Gerard Sanders is plus 145. Now, when this matchup got made, you know, I was licking my chops, man, because I'm a big Felipe Aranches fan. And I think that, you know, he's one of these guys that came into the UFC super young, and we didn't quite see, you know, we knew he had potential, but we didn't quite see him uh, at, his, uh, at his peak. And now he's really developed, you know, he's submitting guys off his back. He can knock you out standing. You know, he's knocked out guys such as, Pepe, he submitted Eves Jabuen, and I know his takedown defense is a little suspect, and we're up against a D1 All-American here, but once again, this isn't a wrestling match, and, you know, Gerard Sanders shoots from across the, the ring, you know, so it's not really going to be that big of a deal to sprawl, take his back, choke him out. I took the under two and a half rounds here at a plus 155. I, look, I know we're going to get taken down here. It's no, it's no big deal. Felipe will be on his back for a little bit, but eventually... Gerard's going to shoot from a mile away. Felipe's going to snap down, sprawl, take the back, choke him out. But if it stays standing, we'll knock him out. So either way, I got Felipe inside the distance, but my bet is under two and a half rounds at plus 155. Yeah, man, this is actually a very tough fight for me to call. Um, you know, I like Felipe. Um, Sanders, you know, he's straight one-dimensional, straight grappler, looking to dive on the legs, take the back, and, you know, hold position and out-position you. Like we said, Felipe's takedown defense is not very good, you know, let's be honest. Um, his striking, even on the feet, I mean, I wouldn't say he's particularly, like, nothing nothing uh, too devastating. I mean, you know, he's a basic Muay Thai fighter, throws leg kicks, but doesn't really have that uh, killer instinct on the feet to, like, KO someone. Um, but I think, I think he should be able to pull this off at some point just based on the fact that Sanders, like we said earlier, if you – if you can stuff and sprawl that shot consistently, eventually it's just going to take more and more out of him. 
because his only way of winning a fight is taken away. But um, I can't trust Felipe, man. His takedown defense isn't good. Um, he loses position a lot. Um, he gets out hustled in a lot of scrambles. But um, I'll take him in this one, but barely. Biggie. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't tend to pick uh, one-dimensional fighters unless unless their names are uh, Damian Maya. Um, <laughs> you know, there's you know there's it's mixed martial arts for a reason, man. And I think people there's so many ways to game plan against you know a particular type of fighter if they're just a specialist, you know. And um, you know, Felipe can choose to not engage to you know take away the threat of the takedown, um, you know, he can sprawl. And uh, I just don't like the way Gerard Sanders has no boxing to set up his wrestling. Um, he kind of just dives in at the legs. And I think at this level, um, the, the level that he's at, um, eventually guys are going to catch on, uh, be able to defend those takedowns and threaten with submissions. Um, I think the guillotine is what we need to look out for because uh, Gerard shoots from such um, a distance that he leaves his neck um, exposed. Also in that, um, Felipe Arantes does sometimes just lay on his back, which can cause him to lose a close fight. Um, but I do believe Felipe, Felipe Arantes will be able to stuff the takedown. Um, you know, get, get even if he does get taken down, be able to sweep or, or threaten with submissions enough to actually, you know, even maybe win a round or so from his back as long as he's active. Um, we've been seeing a lot of judges um, you know, get better at seeing if a guy's just laying on top or if he's being attacked from the bottom. Um, I think that's a good part of MMA that we're actually starting to see a little bit of change from, um, you know, even though these judges are still horrible, but um, they're making jumps in some areas, and I think that's one. Uh, Gerard could get on top, but I don't think he'll necessarily be, be able to be active enough just because of the threat of the submission from Felipe Arante. So I'm going to take Arante by a very close, uh, maybe even a split decision. Will? What up, Will? You in here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. No, uh, Biggie hit it like, right on the nail on the head, in my opinion. I watched um, Gerard Sanders at the tough finale last year, and I was sitting there, and I was watching Russell Doe, and I thought, you have every opportunity to really grab a hold of something here. He leaves stuff. He leaves body parts out there to be to be got. And I think, see, Biggie hit the nail on the head there. I think Arantes, I think he's got terrible takedown defense, but he's going to latch onto something. And I think that once he, he might not get it the first time, but I think he will persevere and he will get it. I like Arantes um, via submission in round number two. That's going to be my pick. I'm going to pick Arantes in this one. I like that pick a lot because it goes under two and a half rounds. So, yeah, I hope you are correct in your prediction. And next up, we got Pedro Munoz. He's minus 245. Jeez, that's a, that's, a, that's a little out there. And he's taking on Russell Doan, who's plus 205. Now, you know, Pedro Munoz is no slouch. Pedro Munoz comes to fight. You know, he took on Rafael Asuncao in his UFC debut on short notice. And uh, he took the ass whooping like a man. So I got a lot of respect for him in that, in that respect. You know, then some things happen outside. You know, he comes from Black House. We all know the deal. But at the end of the day, you know, He's back in the UFC now. He's got to prove himself, right? And he's got a dude in Russell Doan who's going to engage him in a stand-up fight. They're going to go toe-to-toe. Now, the reason that I'm kind of iffy about the line is because this is going to be the kind of fight that Russell Doan wants. He wants to stand and bang. So, you know, when it's a stand and bang with four-ounce gloves, it's 50-50. So, actually, 
I don't think a shot on Russell Doan is too far-fetched here. I just think Pedro Munoz is the better fighter, so I have to pick him here. I mean, he's got a nasty guillotine if shit starts to get real on the feet and Russell has to resort to shooting. I mean, Pedro's uh, guillotine is no joke. And also his gas tank. I mean, we saw in uh, the Gerald Sanders fight, you know, Russell Doan, he, uh, you know, he kind of, he, I don't, I don't want to say he quit, man, because he quit. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he slowed down considerably. And uh, but th and this is a way tougher fight than Gerald Sanders. This is a guy that finished Gerald Sanders in 30 seconds that he's taken on. So I mean, I got Pedro Munoz here, but you know, no bet, no, not too much confidence in the pick. Just gonna sit back and enjoy this one as a fan. Yeah, man. Um, Don's last fight. I mean, he got out hustled. He got out hustled in uh, every which way. He had chances to take the back and capitalize on positions, but he got out hustled. And even on the feet, he got beat in that last round. He got rocked with a left hook by Jared Sanders, the one-dimensional guy we were talking about. And uh, he shot in for a takedown, and he got snapped down, and he got his back taken, and he accepted it, you know. Um, with uh, Pedro, I like Pedro a lot, to be honest. I think he has top 15 talent, but my worry with him is his chin, you know. Um, we have seen him wobbled before, but that's against a guy like Jimmy Rivera, but you, know, you can never count on a man's ability to land out a punch, and this is the fight that uh, Russell Doan wants. He wants to go back and forth tooth and nail, and uh, I mean, this is make or break for Doan. I mean, this is this is it for him. So you know, um, I'm gonna go with Pedro on this one, but I definitely don't blame that shot on Doan at plus 205, just because anything can happen, and he is capable. But uh, I'll go with Pedro. Biggie. Um. Yeah. Um, I fought on the same card as Pedro Munoz before, um, you know, for the RFA, um, actually here uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when they had the show there. Um, you know, and he won that fight for a guillotine. His stand-up is really good. You know, Pedro's a very, very well-rounded uh, fighter. Um, he comes from, like, a, a Muay Thai kind of background, but he, if you watch his head movement, his hand placement in the fight, he almost moves kind of like a boxer as well in the pocket. You know, he's really comfortable there, which is a good thing, and then it's a bad thing when you're fighting a fighter kind of like Russell Doyle, who likes to throw a lot into his punches. You know, um, Pedro likes to, likes to wear some punches on his face in order to close the distance because he does like the knees and elbows and strikes like that. Um, his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. You know, he's a black belt, obviously. Um, he had the issues. Um, uh. <laughs> If the sport, I'm going to leave it alone. I've already got on some, uh, you know, got on some people's bad sides with uh, picking out a Pacific gym and, uh, you know, former champions and stuff like that from the organization. So I'll leave those guys alone. But um, I think Russell actually wins this fight. I think that if he can make it ugly, he can win. Pedro is a technician. He's not a guy who likes to brawl. Um that's his downfall is that if a fight comes to him, sometimes he can't handle that. I mean, look at Rivera. Uh, Rivera is not a technical, I would say, like super technical guy. Rivera tries to knock you out. He likes to fight. He pushes the pace. He gets in your face. And I think Russell understands that he's in a bad spot as far as his career right now if he loses this fight. So um, I'm going to take uh, Russell for the upset, and this will be my this will be my dog pick here. And uh, – uh, I think that he can squeak out a decision against Pedro Munoz. Will, who you got, man? Doan or Munoz? Uh, another fight I'm back and forward on. I've 
watched uh, a little bit of like tape on these two today, and it's just it's a very. I think the matchmakers have did very well with this one and matched them up um, very good. Uh, I'm a little bit back and forth. I'm edging towards Munoz, but um, I mean last year I got burned big time in Russell Doan last last year in Vegas because I had. Uh, my last leg on my parlay on Russell Doan and he just did not show up and uh, as uh, the MMA junior said he just got out hustled uh, so I was kind of losing my shit in the crowd when that was going down but um, Pedro Munoz I just think he's just a little just a, a tad bit better but it's, see, at this level it's it's give or take um, I'm going to go Pedro Munoz but uh, not overly confident in the pick Next up we got John McDessie's minus 120 the comeback on Mehdi the Sultan Baghdad is plus 100. Now, a lot of money came in on Mehdi Baghdad, and honestly, rightfully so. You know, I took that shot at plus 150. It's currently plus 100. You know, it's one of those situations where, you know, John McDessie, back in his day, you know, he was a lot of fun to watch, good striker, you know, this and that. But at the end of the day, he's, you know, when fighters get that second broken jaw, you know, they start reconsidering everything. You know, the first broken jaw, okay, you get it wired shut, overcome adversity, you know, come back a new man. Once you get that second jaw break, you know, that's when uh, you start thinking retirement. He's publicly admitted that he's thinking retirement. You know, he said, he's saying shit like, oh, I'm too uh, big for 45 but too small for 55 and, you know, this and that. And this is his, like, fourth tall striker in a row that he's taken on. You go and you watch his fight with Shane Campbell, you know, the only reason that McDessie won that fight, you know, Campbell took that one on, like, four days short notice. He was teeing off on McDessie, but he gassed out. He couldn't keep up that pace, and eventually got caught and went down. You know, when uh, when the tank goes, no amount of heart can save you, as Connor said. And uh, in this spot, you know, I think uh, a, lot, a lot of times when, when guys drop their UFC debut, they come back stronger in that second fight. And I think that's what's going to happen here with Mehdi. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people, even though former K1 champion. I'm not exactly sure where he won that K1 championship, but hey, he's got the credentials under his belt, striker versus striker. You know, a lot of people are saying stuff like, well, look at Mehdi's last fight. He got taken down so easily. Well, let me let me tell you guys something. You know what uh, John McDessie's takedown uh, accuracy is? Zero percent. So I'm not really worried about uh, John McDessie taking down Mehdi here. I, I think Mehdi will either tee off on him for three rounds and, you know, re-break his jaw and make him retire or knock him out and make him retire. So I'm going with the dog, Mehdi Baghdad. Yeah, um, this fight's pretty simple for me. I took that shot on Mehdi just based on McDessie's track or, track record of his mental toughness. You know, um, we've, we've seen him break uh, consistently in fights when things don't go his way. We've seen his chin. His chin is deteriorating by the second. Now, my thing with Mehdi is there's not really anything much different. He's an aging competitor as well. Um, yeah, he is a K1 champion, allegedly, um, <laughs> you know, but when we watch his fights, I mean, he's stiff. He's kind of similar to Shane Campbell in a way, you know, because they're, they've had a lot of tie fights. They come, they came into the sport with their bodies kind of very uh, old and aging, and they take a lot of damage with no head movement, and, um, you know, that could happen here. But I took that shot just based on McDessie's uh, mental toughness, and I also played that under because, you know, Whoever loses, I see him getting, you know, knocked the fuck out, basically. So um, I took the shot on Mehdi, but uh, McDessie's the better fighter, we'll be honest. But um, like I said, he's had so much uh, turmoil in his career lately. I mean, um, but I just think uh, he hasn't evolved. And another thing is he likes to uh, throw that sidekick with his lead leg way in front, and Mehdi has a killer leg kick. So, you know, his leg could get chewed up here. 
just gonna slip the sidekick <laughs> and uh, bang that bang that leg kick. Who you got, Biggie? Um, we you know we spoke about this one um, a little bit. Um, I'm taking McDessie. I think McDessie is just the the more game fighter. He's the more experienced fighter. Um, Baghdad, I like I told you, I, I'm not impressed. I wasn't impressed when I watched him fight for the RFA. Uh, wasn't impressed with him on the show, and uh, definitely just you know I think he he underperforms. Um, K1 champion, uh, you know everyone's got those wiki pages that can be updated at any time. I don't know where that came from, but uh, I think McDessie, I think TriStar, I think Farasahabi, I think game plan, I think a boring fight, I think a squeaked out victory. I think he's gonna, I think. And the thing is, the counter to a really good late kick is actually a really good teeth kick or side kick, you know, if you train Muay Thai or anything at all. Um, and McDessie is pretty good with uh, that lead leg and dexterity and power with his side kick um, to kind of keep you away and keep range. I don't like McDessie's hands. I don't think he really has any. I think they're kind of, you know, um, nonchalant for the most part. But uh, Baghdad is the opposite. I think his hands... I think he throws hands with confidence, but he doesn't really have hands. I don't, I don't see him, um, you know, using just more of a traditional boxing. He uses his hands to set up kicks, which, you know, would, you would see in his background of, you know, a lot of Muay Thai fights and stuff like that. I just think that John McDessie with the footwork, uh, you know, moving around, controlling the cage, game plan, I think he's going to hold him up against the cage a little bit, um, even shoot for a takedown, even though I don't really think he has great takedowns, but – you train with Faraz Sahabi and TriStar. They're really, really good at timing takedowns, you know, even if you're not a good wrestler. I mean, look at George. George was not a collegiate wrestler or anything like that, but he could time a takedown and take down some of the best. So um, I just have confidence in McDessie and his camp, not necessarily just McDessie. So um, I think he gets the victory here uh, via decision. So you're picking against the Black House guy again. I am. <laughs> hey Will, who you got, man? You got Magdesi or you got Baghdad? Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Baghdad. It's quite funny over here in the UK. The line the line on uh, I'm gonna go with Baghdad. On Baghdad over here in the UK is actually got which is quite quite funny. It really usually happens when it when it comes down in America, it goes up over here. Um I've been wanting to kind of bet Baghdad, but I'm just I don't feel the I can really do it. I just um, this fight is just all over the place because I think if I, I read right from James Lynch that uh, McDessie is not fighting at TriStar anymore. He's not training at TriStar, so um, that's uh, another thing to kind of throw in there. I was never really impressed with Baghdad and RFA, especially in the house, but he was kind of a little bit of a show off that didn't really show anything. Um, my pick, I think I'm going to go with McDessie, just the experience and um, just his overall kind of game, maybe to get in and out quick with leg kicks, um, maybe shots to the body. Another another close fight, I'm going to pick John McDessie, but uh, I'm not overly confident in that one whatsoever. So McDessie is doing the whole home gym thing, just so you guys know, and we, we know how that tends to go. And with uh, Baghdad, just a little tidbit for you guys, he is not fasting for Ramadan, so I expect him to be fully fed and hydrated. Now, next up, we got Mike Pyle. He's minus 115, and Alberto Mina is minus 105, and there's no underdog anymore. And, you know, initially, if Alberto Mina was, you know, plus 150 around there, 
I would take that shot because here's the deal with Pyle. He's actually a really damn good fighter. It's just, you know, that chin, man. You know, he gets he gets knocked down in the first round every single fight. It's just about if uh, the fighter can capitalize and put him away. You know, you look at a guy like Sean Spencer, and, uh, you know, he's a really good point fighter. But when he dropped Sean Spencer, I mean, excuse me, when he dropped Mike Pyle, he didn't know how he didn't know how to finish him because he's not used to finishing anyone. But when Jordan Meehan dropped Mike Pyle, you know, he put him away right away. Alberto Mina's a finisher. So I truly believe if he drops Mike Pyle, he's gonna put him away right there and then. The only issue is if Pyle can drag this into the later rounds, Alberto Mina is gonna be huffing and puffing, and Mike Pyle might be able to get a third round TKO, which he is known for. However, I gotta go with Alberto Mina first round TKO. Even though he's flying all the way from Singapore, he's gonna be a little jet lagged. You know, I just don't trust that chin of Pyle. And I know this is a homecoming for Pyle. He's fighting in Vegas. That's where he lives. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, punches are still gonna touch his chin, and he's still gonna go down. So I got Alberto Mina via KO. Yeah, man, this is a uh, tough fight. You know, like you said. You can't let Pyle settle in because when he settles in, you know, he's very good. You know, he's a vet. You know, we hear stories about him whooping ass at uh, the old days of Extreme Couture. Um, but, you know, like you said, I mean, his chin is his chin is gone. I mean, we even saw Kobe Covington rock him on the feet. Um, we've seen just about everyone catch him. Um, the thing is, when he recovers, he comes back and he whoops your ass. But, um you can, I think I uh, I think the Mina inside the distance line would be uh, you know worth the stab just because I don't see him winning a decision just because Powell's probably the more well-rounded fighter, the more experienced fighter, the guy that knows how to react better in certain situations. Um, as for Mina, he's still young. We saw him completely gas out against Akiyama that third round. Um, but um, like we said, just gotta catch Powell on the button a couple good times and um, you know he should go down. But um, I don't question his toughness or anything, but uh, the pick is Mina. Yeah, the pick is Mina for me, but once again, no bet. Who you got, Biggie? I'm taking Mike Powell, man. I love Mike Powell. Dude's, dude's old school. Uh, just a vet. Rocks a pretty damn good looking mullet. And uh, I think he's just tough, man. And, uh, you know, I think he might get touched up in the first round, but like you guys said, the, the, the way he recovers in fights and the way he fights after getting you know, rocked is it's like totally, it's like two totally different fighters. And sometimes guys need to just get popped in order to wake up. And, uh, you know, his ground game is sneaky good. His clinch game is sneaky good. Knees and elbows. Um, I think, you know, with uh, the other fighter trying to, you know, finish or knock him out, I think he's actually going to run into a shot from Mike Powell. I'm picking Mike Powell uh, via finish. I'm, we go a third round TKO uh, from Mike Pop. So, Will, I mean, I said that it's either going to be a first round KO for Alberto Mina or a third round TKO for Mike Pyle. Biggie's got the third round TKO for Mike Pyle. Who you got in this fight, Will? What's up, Scotland? Uh, I think we're frozen. Hey, if he comes back, we'll get the prediction. But until then, we got to move on. We got Anthony El Toro Burchek. He's minus 255. Once again, very crazy line. And the comeback on Delano Lopez is plus 215. Now, here's the thing with Burchek. He's big for the weight class. He's dynamic. He's athletic. Comes to fight. He's very exciting to watch. But, man, that fight IQ is horrendous for Burchek. I mean, this is the kind of guy that will hate to you 
So he'll have full mount. He's counting you out. Two seconds later, you know, he gives up his back, and, you know, he's uh, body triangled about to get choked out. I'm like, dude, you know, like, what are you doing out there, you know? So he makes his UFC debut against the leg lock guy, Ian Entwistle. The one thing you don't want to do against a leg lock guy is go to the ground with him. Burchak takes him down 10 seconds into the fight, you know what I mean? Then uh, against Tomas Almeida, the one thing you don't want to do against Tomas Almeida is stand and bang with Tomas Almeida. What does Burchak do? He stands and bangs with Tomas Almeida. He gets knocked out. I mean, the guy's fight IQ. Look, I like the guy a lot. Very nice guy. You know, spoken to him on many occasions. Super cool dude. But when we're doing these picks, I mean, it can be cold. It can be ruthless. But it is never personal. And this isn't personal either. I just think uh, Delano Lopez is going to catch him with a guillotine. You know, Burchak's probably going to whoop on him for a little bit like he tends to do with everyone he fights. But then he's going to make a stupid mistake. And this is a guy you don't want to make a stupid mistake against. And that plus 215 and potentially better because the line is growing as we speak. I, I got to take that that shot, man. I mean, this is a Novo Niao guy. I know Novo Niao hasn't been the same. But still, man. Burchak leaves too many opportunities. I feel like he almost doesn't know what he's doing out there. And that's, you know, he'd whoop my ass. So I'm not I'm not here criticizing a fighter, telling him how to fight or any shit like that. I'm just saying from someone who's watched the sport for a very long time, he tends to make very poor decisions. And as a betting man, you got to capitalize on that. So I'm trying to take advantage of that here. Yeah, um, you know, this line opened up uh, pretty good, but then it dropped down and then it went all the way back up to uh, plus 225 and, you know, I had my on my eye on Delano from the start. Um, uh, like you said, Burchek, I think he's athletic. I think he's talented. I think he's big. Um, but I don't think I think he's really loose. I think he's just I think he's just out there, you know, throwing kicks or shooting takedowns that are you know unnecessary at times that you know might not even be needed. The mom, as where as Delano, uh, my issue with him is you know he might be a little uh, towards the tail end of his career. Um, small for the weight class. Small too. for the weight class. Um, but the thing is, uh, if you watch his fight with Vieira, that's the thing you want to see at a plus two fifteen underdog, a guy that can go back and forth tooth and nail and knows how to ed- somewhat educate, uh, educatedly fight in um, a back and forth war. As where Berchek, we haven't even seen him in uh, late stages of fights in the UFC yet. And we've seen Delano go that full three rounds, get hit, get taken down when he's tired, get back up to his feet, and we haven't seen Burchak do those things. Um, I think on the feet, Delano will bust him up, land that left kick, throw big power shots. Um, Burchak might get a little ahead with the volume just because he's all over the place, but I think at some point, Delano will catch him with something, and he will get a finish. And interesting, you know, you just brought up a good point that I totally forgot about. All three of Burchak's fights in the UFC have ended in the first round. I didn't even realize that. Biggie, who you got, man, Burchak or Delano Lopez? Um, I'm taking Delano Lopez in this fight. Um, like you guys said, the IQ of Burchak is just not there as a fighter. Um, you know, he's one of those all-or-nothing kind of guys. He makes a lot of emotional decisions while fighting. Uh, and that Thomas Alveda knockout was brutal. Um, I think uh, Lopez is going to come forward with a lot of pressure, uh, you know, and Burchek is a out, he's a point guy, output fighter. You know, he, he tries to, you know, throw hard, but he's more of a volume striker. Um, I think Lopez will bust him up and eventually uh, Burchek will take a sloppy shot and end up getting um, submitted or, or at least out positioned on the ground in the later rounds. 
Um, I'm going to pick Delano Lopez. Uh, not 100% confident with that pick, but um, I'm taking him over Anthony Burchek. Will, if you're in here, my man, I need a pick for Lopez versus Burchek. And if you got time, man, Mina versus Pyle. I'll go back on Alberto Mina. I think he's going to knock out Mike Pyle. I think Pyle's chin's gone. Um, on Burchak and Lopez, I think uh, I'm actually a really big admirer of uh, Anthony Burchak, a guy I actually spoke to quite a lot to last year, just about the kind of mentality of fighters and stuff like that. Quite nice to listen to. Tough loss against Almeida, but he came out swinging and gave it a go. Um, Lopez is a really tough fight. I watched the, his fights in the Tough House um, against Vera, and he just hung in there. I mean, he was bleeding from both eyes. He just kept on coming, never gave up, never gave in. But I think this is a big, big fight for Anthony Burchak, and I think um, if he wants to get any momentum in this uh, within his career, he really needs to kind of start now. So my pick's going to be uh, Anthony Burchak, but I think it'll be a very close fight, and I think he'll, he'll win via decision. Yeah, I mean, he. this is absolutely a must-win, not just for Burchak, but for Delano, too. I really believe that. You know, unfortunately, the loser will get their walking papers. So, you know, I, I'm praying for a good fight so that both guys stick around. Now, next up, man, we got Joseph Duffy's minus 400. The comeback on Mitch Clark is plus 325. Now, before I talk about how Joseph Duffy is going to whoop Mitch Clark's ass, I gotta gotta tell you guys one big factor going into this. Joe Duffy is not just coming off one concussion, he's coming off two concussions, okay? You guys recall the event that was canceled in Dublin. He was supposed to fight Poirier. He pulled out the week of, of the fight due to a concussion. You guys remember that. Then he fights Poirier, uh, then he fights Poirier uh, at UFC 195, and uh, this time he gets 30-26. So he got concussed there for sure. You don't have to get knocked out to get concussed, okay? Just, you know, for, for all the people out there being like, oh, he didn't get knocked out, what are you talking about? You don't have to get knocked out to get concussed. He for sure got concussed in that fight. I mean, you looked at his face. He got fucked up. So he might be rushing this back too soon. But if he took the proper amount of time off and he's healed and ready to go, he's going to smoke Mitch Clark. Look, I know Mitch Clark is tough. I know he has that beautiful um, Darce from side control bottom on Ally Kinta, which has never been done before in the UFC. Actually, uh, Chaskelly tried to go for one of those on Kevin Souza. But Mitch Clark was the first to ever do it, so props to him. That was beautiful, and he hung tough with Chiesa in that third round. But, I mean, wasn't that, like, before Reebok and before – I mean, that was that was a million years ago, man. And uh, this is a completely different style matchup. You know, Chiesa's the kind of guy that you whoop Chiesa's ass in that first round, and if he's still there and you got nothing left, Chiesa will take over. With Joe Duffy, he's a technician. He's His boxing is so crisp. He'll mix it up to the body. I mean, he had Dustin Poirier wobbling. And I know at 45, a lot of dudes rock Poirier, but at 55, no one is touching Poirier. I mean, he's uh, 4-0 at 55. He's been smoking everyone he fights in the first round except one guy. And that one guy was Joe Duffy. At least Joe Duffy made it to a 30-26, right? So what I think is going to happen here is Joe's going to find a way to win, whether it's a knockout or a submission. You know, shout out to my boy Rock Starzy on that uh, – that Joe Duffy KO prop, hey, I, ho I hope that cashes for you. What I took was the under two and a half because it's at plus 155. This way, if you know, if we gas out and Mitch Clark taps us out in the second round, hey, it's still cashed, right? Under two and a half rounds plus 155. I think Joe Duffy will get the finish, but just in case he gets finished, we got some insurance there. Yeah, um, you know, I got to go with Joe Duffy in this one, even though he did get uh, take a hellacious beating 
uh, by Dustin, you know, I mean, the fact that he did some of the stuff he did at that stage in his career, you know, I mean, he put on a great fight, you know, he kept fighting, he never truly quit per se, um, he still go, he was still in for triangles, but just the hand speed difference in this fight, man, I know Mitch is tough, he's durable, he can take a punch, but I just think Duffy will be able to uh, light him up on the feet, you know, throw check knees, jabs, hands, um, body shots, just like he did to Poirier. Um, but, you know, this guy could be coming back too soon. And, um, you know, his takedown defense isn't the best, especially when he gets tired. So if Mitch can weather a storm and get this into that late second, third round, he could possibly run away with this. But um, So I don't I don't blame the shot on Mitch Clark at all. But um, I got Joe Duffy by first-round finish. Big Euros, who you got, man, Mitch Clark or Joseph Duffy? Joseph Duffy, I think uh... – Mitch Clark, Mitch Clark, you know, he overachieved with that, uh, with that dark choke on Alalaquinta, and uh, it, it, I see a lot of similarities in Alalaquinta and Joe Duffy uh, with the boxing. You know, um, they're both, both their boxings are, uh, boxing is primarily um, their best attribute. Um, I think Joe Duffy's gonna keep the range. He's smooth. He doesn't waste a lot of energy with his strikes. It's precise and clean. Um, I think he's just going to be too much uh, for Mitch Clark. Um, I think he'll cruise to a victory. Um, he can get the finisher either on the feet or on the ground. Um, but if not, he can cruise to an easy uh, decision. I'm, I just think that Joe – I don't think there's any way Joe Duffy can lose this fight if he fights um, like he's capable of. Obviously, MMA, small gloves, you know, uh, you know, sweat, slippery, you know, grappling, anything can happen. But – um, I just don't see uh, Joseph Duffy losing that fight. Now, Will, assuming that Joseph Duffy isn't coming back, you know, too soon from two straight concussions, you think he takes it here, right? Uh oh. I know. Yeah, I think he takes it. I, I know you heard me. Uh, I'm on that bait with you. You're, you're actually the one who kind of sent me to that bait. Uh, that fight. Oh, I heard you, man. Uh, if that fight finishes under 2.5, you sent sent it on to me here. And uh, I think he, I think he wins this. I don't see anywhere where Mitch Clark really kind of outperforms Joseph Duffy. Duffy, a good technical boxer, really good jujitsu. Um, been going back to New York, uh, working with John Danaher and the team team over there with Tom Breeze, um, doing a lot of work over there. He had Rory McDonald in a his full camp for his main event. And he's been training with really top guys. I mean, Raymond Daniels, he's been training with a lot, so his striking's going to improve there. I just I like Joseph Duffy in this one. I think he's just a little bit better everywhere the fight goes. Clark, very tough fighter, but my pick will be Joseph Duffy. Were you trying to add something? Uh, let's go Canadian, Joe. <laughs> so uh, next up, we got Alan Juban versus Bilal Muhammad, and this is going to be a hell of a fight. So Alan Juban, he's currently minus 125. The comeback on Bilal Muhammad is plus 105. Now, Biggie, I'm going to let you go first and last because you beat Alan Juban and you train with Bilal Muhammad, so I think uh, you should probably be talking about this first. Yeah, um, I think this is going to be a great scrap, uh, honestly. I mean, you look at Bilal's style. Uh, he's not one to run away from a striking match. You know, He's not one to shy away from being in the pocket and trading. And obviously that's what Alan Jaban has come to enjoy is, you know, he likes to be in the pocket. He likes to throw. He gets hurt. He comes back. And uh, he's just a tough, gritty guy. You know, I gave him some flack for just being a pretty boy and 
you know, making it through fights and stuff on his on his good looks. But uh, you know, he gets cut, he gets punched, he's, he gets excited in that in that manner. But I think that's also his downfall is uh, he can be drawn into a striking um, into a striking fight and then be susceptible for takedowns, be susceptible for um, you know the cleaner punches. He gets emotional. He throws really big. If he hits you, obviously he can knock you out. He's he's done it. But when he opens up big. You don't have to hit big to knock him out. Look at what Albert uh, Termov, uh, the, the scientist, was able to do to him. Um, honestly, uh, Bilal is, is, is a machine. Did you see? I mean, if you watched his last fight in Titan, look what he did to Steve Carl. That's a veteran. Steve doesn't get put away like that. And Bilal made it look easy. And as you, if you notice, he got better every round. He, his output got more and more every round. He's not going to get tired. He's not going to gas. I know people are bringing up, um, you know, Ramadan. He's fasting and, and things of that nature. But I can tell you that he says if you can train on fumes, then you can fight on food. You know, I think that's what his saying is right now. And Bilal Muhammad is one of the most mentally tough guys that I've trained with. He's been a part of my last several camps. Uh, we spar together all the time. Um, he, he's developing and getting better and better. And, um, I think that he controls the middle ground. I think he controls the wrestling in this fight. I feel like he can dictate whether the fight stays standing or the fight goes to the ground, which is the key when facing Alan Jaban. If you can't take him down, you allow him to just tee off with his striking, and I think that's um, where he gets his confidence from. Um, like you said, I have beat him, and so I've understand. I understand the you know little nuances of his game, and I've passed those along to. Um, Bilal, the things that I think that Allen is good at, the things that I think Allen is bad at. And uh, honestly, I can see Bilal getting his first UFC finish here, um, capitalize on being the, the more crisper puncher, um, landing, landing the, the shots in the inside when Allen opens up to go big. And I can see um, Bilal getting a first round TKO is my prediction. Wow. You know, something I really like about this fight is – the difference between their two styles. They're both uh, stand-up fighters, but, you know, with Alan Juban, he's in your face. It's pure excitement. He's a fan-friendly fighter. And with Bilal, he's pinpoint. He's crisp. His hand fighting is second to none. You know, he, he does the good. He does the touch and go. He'll, uh, he'll split the jab. He'll throw the straight right. He'll mix it up to the body. Bilal is no slouch. The only issue here is that UFC debut. I mean, we just got to see how he reacts. You know, maybe he goes in there, rises to the occasion, knocks out Juban, like you said. And uh, But other times, you know, with some guys, they drop their UFC debut. We just got to see what the deal is. You know, obviously Ramadan, everyone's brought that up. I mean, Bilal seems like a really mentally strong guy to me. So I'll just put the Ramadan thing on the back burner. What I want to know here is how does he react under, under the lights? This is his first time doing a media week for the UFC. This isn't... Uh, this ain't just showing up at the gym anymore. This isn't Titan FC anymore. This this is the UFC. This is International Fight Week, UFC 200, biggest uh, event of the year. So as long as he takes all that well, then he should do good. It's just a matter of if he will take that well. Everyone responds differently. So, you know, I'm going to sit back as a fan and enjoy it, man. I'm a big fan of both guys. Bilal's been on my show twice. Super cool guy. like him a lot. And I've been watching Juban for years, so I like him too, man. And I just want to see... Two guys go out there, put their hearts on the line, and may the best man win. Yeah, man, this is a <clears throat> probably one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most on this card. Um, you know, Bilal's fight against Steve Carl uh, really impressed me, man. Like that 
impressed me a lot. Just the way he his parries were so sick, and uh, the way his uh, high kick counters came like right after. Um, you know, it's going to be a battle of those left side shots for Juban and those right side shots for uh, Bilal. You know, but I think Bilal's more diverse in the striking game just because um, I feel like if he can stay in Allen's face and put and just be sharp and parry all his strikes and stay in his face, I just think he'll be able to outland him at will. But the thing is, experience. Everyone has to take takes that uh, first defeat. And, um, man, Bilal's performance uh, against Steve Carl, really, they threw him to the wolves, man. I mean, he uh, he was supposed to fight Rick Story, uh, you know, and that was going to be a, fucking, a serious fucking test. And now he's fighting Alan Juban. So, I mean, that performance, you know, uh, shows the thoughts they uh, of the opinion they have of Bilal, you know, and um and rightfully so. Um, I I gotta go Bilal in this one. I just get the feeling with this kid, you know. Um, he could be a little too small for 170, but you know that's just my opinion. But um, he's thick, and I just think his counters and his parries are gonna be the key to this fight. He's gotta be uh, ready for when he gets hit in that first round. Um, just because he's never been hit under the bright lights before. He's never reacted uh, under the bright lights, and Joban has. But we've seen Joban get rocked in pretty much every single fight, and he comes back for the most part. But I think with this guy and the way he stays in his realm and he stays calm and composed, I think he'll uh, get the win. I'll say uh, I'll say second round TKO. Yeah, one thing you brought up, Boel, he's super poised. He's... He's in this uh, this mental zone. He's so focused out there. It's uh, it's truly awesome to watch. Now, Will, who you got, man? You got Bilal to get the victory in his UFC debut, or is Alan Juban going to do what Alan Juban does? I like Bilal here. Um, he's a guy that um, I think Mike actually said something maybe a, maybe a year ago and um, put me on to Bilal, and I, I've seen him there. Um, I really, really like his output, and I really, really like his shot selection. I think he's very, very um, good with his striking. I mean, I love his strikes to the body, and um, just his movement. His footwork's actually really, really good. Something that um, I really enjoyed, especially in the Steve Cull fight last time out. Um, my pick, I'm not the biggest Joe Band fan. I never really have been. I think he's an all right fighter. Um, I think that he hasn't really faced the competition in the UFC, and he, I mean, he faced Tuminov, which is a good, good fighter, but um, I like Bilal here, I think, I'm going with Mike in this one, I think he's going to knock him out, I think early second round for me. Well, if he does, man, I'll be very happy for him, because he is a really cool guy. Now, next up, co-main event of the evening, we got Roy Big Country Nelson, he's minus 135, and the comeback on Derek the Black Beast Lewis is plus 115. And, you know, a lot of people I know that I respect are picking Roy Nelson, and I couldn't disagree more here because, look, a couple of years back, yeah, okay, then then you pick Roy Nelson via the highlight reel KO. That's what he was known for back then. But, man, you know, power is obviously the last thing to go. Speed's the first thing to go. This guy's 40 years old. You know, if you watch his fight with Jared Rochelle, man, he was huffing and puffing two minutes in. He was swinging at air. He was throwing his hardest shots, that overhand right and that left hook and that uppercut that he's been known for his entire career. And he was sw swinging at air against Jared Rochelle. Now he's got the Black Beast who has the momentum, who's been improving, in my opinion. A lot of people don't think he's evolved. I think he's evolved because he's gotten taken down by Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, gotten his back taken, and he's made his way back up to his feet and knocked them out. That, to me, is a sign of improvement. With big country, it's just, you know, just avoid the overhand right. People like to talk about his world-class jiu-jitsu. What world-class jiu-jitsu? The only person that he's uh, 
you know, taking down to the ground was Kimbo Slice, rest in peace. But, uh, oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what? He did take down Josh Barnett twice, but, I mean, that dude's, like, 45 (laughs) years old, too. So, listen, Derek Lewis is a prime heavyweight. You know, uh, heavyweights reach their prime when they're a little older. I know that might sound a little contradictory because I just said Roy Nelson's 40 years old. But Roy, he's taken way too much damage. I mean, a significant strike record has been set on his face multiple times in multiple fights. He's going to drop this one as well. I believe the Black Beast will finish Big Country Nelson via knockout. Yeah, um, Roy is a one-dimensional fighter. I mean, I love the guy, but let's be honest here. It's either first-round KO or bust. When it, Has Roy ever won a fight that hasn't gotten... Um, Past the first round in the UFC? Besides Rochdalt, no. Okay. So he just so okay. Um, my thing with the uh, Black Beast is he does find himself in uh, bad positions a lot. You know, he gets mounted, but I mean, hey, he's gotten out of him and he's come back to uh, knock the dudes out. But this is not Damien Grabowski. This is not Victor Pesta. This is not uh, Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, Roy still, yeah, he's one dimensional, but you know, you still got to respect the guy. I have no doubts. Uh, if Roy tried to take him down, I, I'm pretty sure he could. But I think the Black Beast just, uh, he's got too much momentum on his side. I feel like this is his time. Am I particularly high on him? Do I think he's going to be a uh, future heavyweight contender? Probably not, not in my opinion. But um, I think he's going to win this fight just based on being younger, fresher, um, wanting it a tad bit more, and um, just that brute power and his will to win. We see him in bad spots consistently, and he finds his way to get out. We know that if Roy can't knock you out in that first round, he shuts down for the most part. His cardio's awful, and Derek uh, Lewis's cardio's actually really good, man. I mean, if you get fully mounted by a UFC heavyweight, I mean, generally those dudes come back up completely dumb, but, I mean, this guy seems to come back up more rejuvenated and throwing more leather, so I got to go with him. I mean, the biggest thing for me is how much Roy Nelson has slowed down. Just watch that fight with Rochelle. I mean, he's going for the weapons that he's been known for his entire career, swinging at air against a guy who's never been known for his striking. I mean, Rochelle's been known for, for the opposite of striking. Another thing is, I mean, even though I like Black Beast, I mean, on the feet, he really, he pretty much just stands there uh, straight up and doesn't really, uh, he throws some head kicks here and there and some leg kicks, but I mean, he pretty much just stands straight up and uh, he's waiting for his opportunity to get that ground and pound position and, you know, fuck you up from there. But um, So playing with that is really dangerous, but I, I got uh, black views. It is really dangerous, but you know what? We'll take the dog here. I mean, just I, I keep going back to that speed difference, man. When you slow down to the point that big countries slow down to, I just have to bet against them. Just watch the Rochelle fight, and you'll know exactly what I mean. Now, Biggie, I mean, we, we can keep speaking here forever, but we got to let you go now. So uh, Roy Nelson or the Black Beast? I'm taking Roy Nelson, man. I like I like Big Country, and I like his toughness too. Um, heavyweights, one punch can can make the difference. It can be a sloppy time shot. It can be a shot that grazes, man. And big guys, you know, they go down. Um, I'm thinking Roy Nelson's gonna pull out the Dan Hindo style victory. I think he's gonna come from an inside leg kick to a big overhand right. I think he's gonna clip. The Black Beast put him down, and I think that uh, Roy Nelson is going to get a TKO victory here. I like the Black Beast. Um, we actually now have an opponent in common. The last dude, the dude that I just beat for the victory fighting championships, actually fought Derek Lewis twice at heavyweight early in his career. Um, 
But I just think that Roy Nelson, you know, even though he did slow down, but I mean, Rochelle is a fighter that makes everybody just look horrible because he's just that horrible of a fighter. So he just makes you look bad. So uh, he's just awkward. But I think Roy Nelson gets the job done here. I think he beats the Black Beast um, via knockout. And I think it is going to come in the first round. Yeah, and I, don't, I need to make one quick correction because I said that I played that uh... – that Duffy under at plus 155, I meant plus 110. I got confused with uh, Felipe under. But it's all on bestfightpicks.com, so you can check it out there. Now, Will, I mean, is Big Country going to finally get another highlight reel knockout, which, you know, he hasn't gotten since he knocked out Noguera back in Abu Dhabi, I mean, the same night that, uh, you know, Benny lost to Ramsey Ninja. And that's how long ago it's been since the last time Roy Nelson's knocked someone out. Or is uh, Black Beast going to keep the momentum going here? Well, we know when you're back, bro, because uh, we'll get that prediction. But we got to go to the main event, dude. We got Rafael Dos Anjos. It's minus 335. The comeback on the underground king, Eddie Alvarez, is plus 275. Now, does uh, RDA have a nickname? Uh, no, he doesn't. RDA. <laughs> <laughs> Just RDA. And, I mean, look, RDA, I mean, talk about one of the most evolved fighters in UFC history because he went from a guy that he dropped his first two fights and, you know, I believe he got finished by Jeremy Stevens in devastating fashion and the kind of fashion that people don't often come back from. And he came back. I mean, he got his jaw broken. <laughs> like he, he got his jaw broken by Clay Guida. He overcame that. And he's beat the who's who in that division. I mean, starts out with Evan Dunham, takes care of Cerrone. And then we're, then he gets the fight with Pettis. I, I was all in on Pettis there. And Pettis actually looked incredible in that fight. And, uh, you know, Pettis was landing clean head kicks to the chin on RDA. Any other lightweight would have gone down for sure. That was actually one of the best Pettises we've ever seen. A lot of people don't realize that because they watch uh, what RDA was doing. But if you go back, dude, Pettis actually looked incredible in that RDA fight. It's just that RDA was – it's just – I mean, the guy, the guy we're looking at right now might be the best lightweight of all time. And I'm talking there with guys like BJ Penn, guys like Pettis. Guys like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to fucking put Benson in there, but guys like Frankie Edgar, you know what I mean? So, I mean, the current form RDA is in is the best lightweight we've ever seen. But all good things must come to an end. However, I don't think this is going to be that time. I think he's going to take care of Eddie Alvarez, and he's going to do it relatively quick. I mean, when he walks you down from that southpaw stance, throws that switch kick to the body, I mean, dudes are just like – is he really doing that to me right now? Like, you know what I mean? Uh, TKO's Cowboy in the first round. And he actually didn't even TKO him. He made him quit. And uh, at least Pettis, you know, had the heart and the balls to go five hard rounds with uh, with RDA. You know, Pettis, he, he took it like a man there. But uh, I don't think Eddie's, even though he's a very durable guy, he's known for getting dropped and coming back. I don't think he's going to come back this time, man. I think uh, once he gets put down, he's going to stay down. Yeah, man. Um, my personal opinion, you know, I think Rafael is the number two pound for pound fighter in the world. Um, I just think with Eddie, man, I respect him. He's a vet. He's the underground king. I'll never forget the Bellator Wars. He can take some serious damage, and he might he might last longer than um, a lot of these other guys that have against the, that have fought against Rafael. He might last longer, but I just think with the pressure, the cardio advantage. I mean, Eddie gets tired every single fight. He slows down in that second round, even that first round, man. He slows down. His uh, punches get really sloppy. Um, he's got that nice little step uh, step to the side right hand he throws all the time. But I just think Rafael with the kicks, the uh, jiu-jitsu, 
the just a he's just a better fighter in my opinion all around better cardio uh just more uh efficient more better execution eddie scrapes past these decisions i mean to be honest live i thought he you know i thought he uh dominated pettis but then when i rewatched it i mean he scraped that decision out you know barely um just by out positioning him but i just think when he gets tired the second he gets tired rafael will still be in his face fresh and he'll eventually knock him out team rock biggie i know you're very familiar with both guys so i mean give us your assessment man um honestly like you guys said i think that rda is just too much for a lot of guys right now uh he's well-rounded uh which is like his big, biggest attribute attribute but also his mentality i mean like you guys said you guys named off some of his uh losses you know and they were some of those losses in devastating fashion knocked out broken jaw he is just in a place right now as a fighter that is hard to reach it comes with time it comes with you know the right timing he, he's just at the perfect timing in the division um, a lot of the guys are, you know, they're bumping up. They're getting too big for 155. They're going to 70. You know, some of the other guys are going to 45. He just has a clear path of dominance in that division right now. And it's all based off his mentality. You know, he has that true, like, Brazilian, like, samurai type, type style. It's like he'll, he'll kick you and break his foot and then just keep kicking you with the broken foot. And it doesn't matter. He'll kick you harder after he breaks his foot and, I think that's the difference between him and a lot of fighters is that he's willing to go there, you know, and like most fighters, they say it, oh, I'm willing to die in there, but you watch him fight lately and that guy, he, he's thrown with ill, you know, bad intentions and you can't take him down. His wrestling's good. If you take him down, he's going to get back up. His jujitsu's good. And when someone's walking you down and just beating you up, that is the most like mentally breaking thing ever. You're like, man, I just can't get away from this guy. He's continually touching me, he's punching me, he's grabbing me, he's throwing me on the ground. I think he's going to do all those things to Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is a shell of himself. Um, I, I thought that, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I thought that Anthony won that fight. Um, I think that, you know, Eddie did get takedowns, but what did he do with the takedowns? What did he do with the position? He got there, but he didn't land a single strike from there. He got beat up. You look at his face, you look at Anthony, you look at the damage done, the more effectiveness during rounds. You know, I don't, I don't think that he had, you know, obviously won that fight. And the performance that he showed is not one of a 155-pound champion. So, um, I think RDA, RDA gets him out of there quick. I think he's going to brutally finish Eddie Alvarez in the second round. So, we all got RDA inside the distance. And it's not like, for me personally, I'm not counting out Eddie Alvarez just because, you know, like we said, underground, underground king. He's been there. He's done that. I just think RDA is that much better. I mean, I like you said, he's at a point that, a lot of fighters don't really reach that point. And, I mean, right now we just got to – we as fans, we just got to enjoy this because this is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete, in my opinion. I mean, to overcome the adversity, he's overcome the brutal knockout to Stevens, the jaw break against uh, Guida, even getting laid on by Khabib to overcome all that and now be the reigning and defending UFC lightweight champion. I mean, we all know 155 pounds is the deepest division in the UFC. It's always been, probably always will be. So, I mean, RDA is no slouch, and he's probably going to finish the fight here. Now, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, I'm going to put you on the spot, MMA genius. What's the fight to watch for UFC Vegas? Oh, man, the uh, fight to watch, I'm going to say uh, Burchak and uh, Delano Lopez. I think it's going to be a wild fight for how long it lasts, and I think uh, we're going to see some wild shit. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, anytime Burchek fights, some wild shit happens. <laughs> and uh, Biggie, what's the fight to watch for UFC Vegas, man? Uh, the fight to watch, I'm going to go up there and say, uh, you know, my teammate Bilal Muhammad and Alan Joban, I think that's going to be the one to watch. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, if Eddie and RDA, if Eddie's just not tough on that night and he gets destroyed, I think Bilal and Joban, um, if not finished early, will end up being fight of the night. I think it'll be back and forth. Um, you know, uh, both those guys are tough and durable, so I think that's going to be an exciting striking matchup and an exciting fight all around. So I can see those guys getting the bonus. Yeah, and my fight to watch is Mike Pyle versus Alberto Mina. Look, anytime Mike Pyle steps inside the octagon, unless he's fighting a boring wrestler like Colby Covington, yeah. it's guaranteed excitement. I mean, either he goes down or the other guy goes down. And if you've been watching Alberto Mina and the UFC, I mean, his his two fights were total <laughs> excitement. I mean, that first one he had with that Asian dude where they're dropping each other back and forth and then – uh you know, um, Mina ends up getting the KO. That was amazing. And then his fight with Akiyama, a lot of people shit on that fight. I was thoroughly entertained. So uh, I, I cannot wait for Pyle versus Mina. Now we got to talk about the fighter to watch. So once again, man, who is the fighter to watch at UFC Vegas? Rafael Dos Anjos. Just enjoy the performance and uh, enjoy one of the all-time greats. Biggie, who is the fighter to watch at UFC Vegas? Obviously, man, I want all the shine. I wish all the best to my teammate. And, uh, Hopefully you guys are, uh, be remembering the name of Bilal Muhammad. You know, I'm going to take him. I think it's going to be a breakout performance for him. Um, and, you know, he, he knows where he wants to be in the division. He knows where he is as a fighter. And, uh, you know, this win for him can propel him to bigger and better things right away and can put him on the right path. So um, I think that the mindset he's in, I think Bilal Muhammad – will make everybody remember his name. I think he's going to fin finish Alan Japan in an exciting uh, fashion. And, uh, you know, I think he'll make a stamp on why he should have been, why he should have been in the UFC um, a, a little while ago. And uh, I think it'll, it'll be great for him um, to get that victory coming out, you know, in his UFC debut and, and, and making big headlines, especially on this big of a car. This is the, this is the weekend to make a name for yourself. And uh, I think he'll take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, definitely look out for Bilal Muhammad versus Alan Juban. That's going to be one hell of a fight. Now, my fighter to watch is Felipe Aranches. Look, he's been a bit inconsistent in his UFC career, but this is the chance for him to go out there, get a performance of the night bonus against an opponent that is going to shoot from a mile away. He's going to give you the opportunity to take his back, choke him out. If by some stretch of the imagination it does stay standing, we can knock him out there too. So Felipe Aranches is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas. Now, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Obviously, always a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Uh, let the audience know where to follow you on social media, MMA Genius. Yeah, man, just follow me, uh, MMA Genius 05. I'm always down to uh, shoot the shit. And um, nice to meet you, uh, Biggie Rhodes, and uh, congrats on that world title. Yeah, definitely congrats, brother. And Biggie, let, let the audience know what's up, man. Yeah, man, you guys can follow me over on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. It's all Team Rock Biggie, T-E-A-M-R-O-C-B-I-G-G-I-E. -E. Um, you can catch me at my uh, Facebook fan page, Mike Biggie Rhodes fan page. Also, my website, BiggieMMA.com. Uh, hopefully, uh, you won't be calling me the VFC champion too much longer. Hopefully, I vacate that thing and uh, get back to where I belong. You know, um, if not, whoever's next, um, you know, I mean, I'm just going to continue to roll through these dudes and get back to where I belong. I don't think anyone outside the UFC has anything for me. 
And so uh, just stay tuned, man. Hopefully, you know, well, I don't hope this. Obviously, I don't wish ill will upon anybody, uh, but it's just the MMA game that people fall out of fights. Um, just know that I'm training. Just know that I'm ready and that, uh, you know, hopefully I get to step in. It's a lot of fights coming up. Um, it won't be a short notice fight because I'm, I'm ready for the opportunity and I expect it to come about um, very soon. So uh, hopefully you'll see me back in the UFC. Until then, check me out. I love talking shit on Twitter. So uh, run your mouth. Snapchat, man. Follow me on there. It's going down. Anything can go down on my Snapchat. So catch me over there. It's entertaining stuff over there. Even me singing is. <laughs> now, Biggie, I know for a fact you're gonna get you're gonna get that call. It's coming real soon. But is there someone particular you want to call out or fight at in the UFC middleweight division? In the UFC middleweight division, um, honestly, I kind of just want to beat Uriah Hall up. Nice. Ryan Hall is kind of a he's kind of a douchebag, and I think everybody agrees uh, <laughs> agrees with that. And uh, he kind of was running his mouth back then a little bit on Facebook when uh, he was trying to give um, I think it was Michael Bisbing. He was trying to give Michael Bisbing crap about something, and you know he had just did the same thing or turning down or I can't remember who it was, but he's getting on somebody about turning down fights with with guys who uh, didn't have a name or something like that, and then his opponent falls out. Me and Diego Lima both offered to fly down to Brazil and to fight the guy, and he's talking about we don't have big enough names and, and all this stuff. Uh, he, he just – he tries to come off as this traditional martial artist with this really cool kind of, you know, I'm, I'm all about martial arts and respect, but he, he's honestly just a douchebag. And so I, I would love to uh, beat him up. Um, and I was very happy when Robert Whitaker put a whooping on his ass, so uh, I think I'd do the same. I was very happy, too. I mean, that plus 135 was sharp as fuck. But, hey, Joe Silva, Biggie Rhodes versus Uriah Hall. Make it happen. Hey, all the fans, thank you so much for tuning in to Half the Battle. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And remember, guys, so today we talk UFC Vegas, right? Tomorrow we're going to be talking the Ultimate Fighter 23 finale. And then on Tuesday night, I got Robin Black and Sean Carey joining me right here, right now on Half the Battle to talk UFC 200 in depth. You guys don't want to miss that. Make sure you tune in. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.